tip but handled by Johnson. Johnson is three-point territory, but guarded tightly. Johnson cuts left, now fires a three, and it's good, and he's fouled! It's out, and he is fouled! Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, here over at Fill the Lane. Holy mackerel, we have had quite the weekend of basketball games, starting on Thursday with the Sweet 16, and then, of course, the Elite Eight. Quick NBA news. I just want to jump on this and then get it out of the way. Devin Booker scored 70 points against the Celtics on Friday night. He is 20 years old. He is the sixth person ever to score 70 points in an NBA game. I know we haven't been talking about NBA, but we we had to get it in there. Tommy, what do you have on your thoughts on the man Devin Booker? (laughs) I didn't get to see it, actually, but... That oh, sounds pretty impressive. Dude, he only hit three three-pointers in that game. Did he have a lot of free throws? He had 24 free throws. <laughs> <laughs> he Here, I'll pull up the box score. Sorry, he had four three-pointers. He was 21 of 40, and besides him, Barbosa had 11 points, and Alex Len had 11 points. It's the second most ever in a loss I think they lost. Will, yeah, they lost by ten points <laughs> to the Celtics. It, it was it was unbelievable. I think uh, I saw Wilt Chamberlain had put up the most points at a loss. He scored seventy three, um, but I think he had like four seventy plus point games. He's absolutely ridiculous. Um, the funny thing afterwards that I really appreciated was um, the NBA posted the photo of Booker and the rest of the Suns posing with his with his uh, seventy and. Uh, Jay Crowder commented on the Instagram post and said, I've never seen so many guys excited about the L. Devin Booker <laughs> hit him with a clap back of, you can't guard me. <laughs> it was over, man. Put him in his grave. But yes, so that's the NBA. I want to hop on the NIT. I apologize. <laughs> but I got to talk about the UCF Knights. You know, it's where I go. I'm going to be an alumni here in a couple months. Went to the Elite Eight matchup against Illinois. In the bounce house, oh my gosh, it was the loudest I've seen that place. It was the first sellout we had here. Um, but unfortunately, if they actually played well and deserved to win that game, I would consider actually flying to New York to go see the uh, Final Four matchup, but they're going to lose. Uh, they're <laughs> playing TCU along with our favorite player here, the albino assassin. <laughs> the absolute savage for TCU. That game's not until Tuesday night. I mean, if, don't get me wrong. I want to see them make it and make it far. Uh, Johnny mm-hmm. Dawkins has been great for the program. Um, do you have any you have any quick takes on the fantastic NIT tournament? Uh, I think UCF has a good shot. I definitely I think the winner of that game is going to take it. But they play good defense, man. Can't can't stop Taco. Bro, Taco Fall, seven six monster. He's one of the forty tallest people on the face of the planet. <laughs> but what's more important about the NIT, of course, is the big dance with the NCAA tournament. We had the Sweet 16. We'll go ahead and wrap that up first, although like this, these have been outcomes for a while. Of those Sweet 16 matchups, Tommy, which one blew you away the most? Uh, Florida-Wisconsin was probably my favorite game to watch. Finally, I think that was our first overtime game and buzzer beater on the same game. Um that was a crazy game. It was, I, I mean, obviously, like, 
I never like to see Florida do well in any sport that they play. Um, but you know, great game from beginning to then, beginning to end. Uh, Kavon Allen, 35 points, very yeah. underrated performance. It kind of got in the shadow of, uh, I think it's pronounced Chaza, the guy who hit that shot. Mm-hmm. But, and then obviously today, just moving forward with Florida, uh, you know, they got beat by South Carolina. And in their Sweet 16 matchup, South Carolina beat Baylor by 20 points. Uh, Sundarius Stormwell having 24 and 6, and obviously he put up a great game today. I, I think they're the most balanced team in the tournament on both sides of the ball. They're like the closest to that 50 50. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, UNC is also very good with that. Um, I think they're more like 65 35 with their offense. Their defense can struggle at times. Um, obviously, early in the year, they gave up, uh, what, 103 points to um, Kentucky. And that was the most points they'd ever given up in a non overtime game for like a long time. Um, and, you know, speaking of Kentucky, I think it's safe to say that Lonzo Ball, uh, yeah, he, he declared right away. What, mm-hmm. what were your, what were your first impressions, um, of Lonzo Ball? And I guess anything, was there anything that he did that either, uh, improved or, you know, knocked down his draft stock from this tournament? Uh, I think he, I think he, uh, I don't think he improved it, but I don't think he lost anything either. I think he was always going to be a top three pick, and he showed why. Um, his passing is just, I think it's better than anyone else's by far. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he was good. That was a good game with him and uh, Monk and Fox going at it. Fox took over that game, but I, you still can't take him over Ball. I think Ball's probably top three pick still. Yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure every mock draft that I've seen has had uh, some combination of Fultz and Ball at one and two. Um, obviously, like yeah, Ball's passing ability is. He he would be a top 15 point guard in the league off passing ability, and he's 19 years old. Um, I forget who was on the receiving end of the pass, but he threw a pass through traffic that went through like five Kentucky guys. And, like, nothing he did wrong. Like, his just teammate just dropped the ball, and he mm-hmm. didn't finish at the rim. And the only thing I wasn't, you know, happy with Lonzo that I think may have hurt him, um, although, like, I don't, you know, and by hurt I mean people are just going to mention it when they're talking about him with the draft. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't take over the game. Like, there was yeah. probably a definitive moment where, you know, he is this transcendent talent, and he probably could have been like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take over now. And I've, We've seen him do it a couple of times, but he's never really had that moment. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like he was just going through the motions, whereas De'Aaron Fox was like, I'm putting my foot on the pedal, and I am flooring it the whole game. I was really impressed on how he, pay, uh, how he played. I was never a huge fan. I'm still not like I wouldn't take him over Lonzo Ball, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say, man, out of these, out of those other guards besides the top two, I would not mind seeing the Knicks get him. Um, obviously, it's hard to win and hard to be a good point guard when you can't shoot. And you know, he put on a great performance today with that great game. We'll we'll talk about that later. But 
just because of his speed and his defensive ability. And, like, when he fills out, like, oh, my gosh, the guy's going to be a monster. It, he's, like, a little bit bigger John Wall. And it's kind of scary because John Wall's become a better shooter. And he's leading the Wizards right now in the in the East. Yeah, I think if definitely if he improves on his shooting, I think that's probably the one thing he struggles with. But he's a good player, man. He's a great finisher. Of course. And, you know, shooting is always the thing you can improve on. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, as we've seen with Kawhi Leonard as well as others around the league. Um, the other Sweet 16 matchup I'd love to talk about. I declared Purdue as a lock to beat Kansas on our last <laughs> podcast. And I'd like to apologize to everyone of Jayhawk Nation for that game. I mean, granted, you guys didn't make the Final Four, so, you know, whatever. But uh, I think Caleb Swanigan got exposed. He definitely did not look athletic enough out there. Mm-hmm. And he looked, yeah. he looked really slow. Yeah, those guards of Kansas, they were just... They all took over that game and just when they started running up and down and Swanigan just he I don't think he had a terrible game but he just he couldn't hang with them. Yeah, they they really used their speed in the second half. They scored fifty. They outscored them fifty-one to twenty-six in the second half. Mm-hmm. They if you beat anybody in the NCAA tournament that's not a sixteen seed by thirty points, you're a very good team. And you know Kansas <laughs> is a great team. Um, Fun fact, the night before Devin Booker dropped 70 points, the Suns started the youngest lineup in NBA history, and it was younger than all of the Sweet 16 teams remaining, with the exception of Purdue. Wow. If that tells you anything about college basketball, it shows that you cannot have one-and-dones and win. Yeah. And then moving on from that Kansas game, obviously, I had Arizona as my favorite to win it. <laughs> Every game that day went the opposite way of what I like to, and my last team went down in the final four, or not the final <laughs> four, but oh my gosh, it was it was embarrassing. Um, you know, props to Xavier, um, they played great. Uh, again, like we saw some players get you know a little bit exposed. Um, I love Laurie Markin, and I think he's going to be a great. Uh, like four, maybe three mm-hmm. in the league. But his problem is, is he's playing like a smaller wing or guard in his body. And, you know, Sean O'Mara really exploited that. And he just kept asking for the ball. And, oh, my gosh, he just completely dominated him. And, you know, marketing couldn't get any boards. And they just got beat on both ends. And, you know, Alonzo Trier had 15 straight points. But... You have to have more than one guy that can score at the end of the day. And obviously, you know, Xavier ran him off the court. And, you know, you have to give the props to the smaller programs because Arizona is a great, huge program. Um, But I think maybe their inexperience lacked a little bit Mm -hmm. because you could see, you know, between Trier and uh, Kobe Simmons and Markinen that they were a little bit flustered. And, you know, Xavier really stood in there. And like I said, Sean O'Meara really uh, displayed experience by calling for the ball and recognizing the Mitch match from the beginning and dominating the inside of the paint. Yeah, they were just, they went at, they weren't scared of him. They just went straight at him. And uh, it seemed like Trier was the only one that wanted to play there for a while. But they definitely won that game with just 
toughness, honestly. Marketing, as you're saying, he was just kind of hanging around. He wasn't trying to battle anyone down low. And he needs to be able to do that. He's trying to play the next level. And it's something that the effort of these players is kind of becoming noticeable where you see these guys that are like, they're really hungry and they want to go out and compete. And not everyone's like that at this level because obviously they know they're leaving. Uh, we saw that last year with Ben Simmons. He, you know, basically looked like on autopilot the whole year. And it's embarrassing for the NCAA because it's like we're just having these guys come in and just kind of autopilot and, you know, coast through, um, you know, how most, like, college football players do in college in their classes. Um, but the last Sweet 16 game I want to talk about before we get to these Elite Eight matchups um, was probably the worst possession in the history of college basketball. <laughs> West Virginia, down three. Oh, my gosh. Javion Carter. I know he played well. What What was your immediate reaction to that sequence? Uh, I think he got the ball with, I want to say he had about 36 seconds, down three. At first, you, 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 I thought he'd be, He's a, I think he's senior, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that's a very uh, veteran team. I thought they would realize that they could just get a two, quick two. He got plenty of time, play the foul game. But Carter won the three. He took a three. He still had time, about 30 seconds. I think he got it back out. Took a crazy three. Got it. Suddenly got bounced around a little bit. I think Adrian got the rebound. Kicked it out to Carter again. And then he backed up for ISO with like 15 seconds left and just dribbled it out. And uh, I was losing my mind watching the game. It, 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 I don't. A part of me was like, why didn't Bob Huggins call a timeout? Mm-hmm. But then the other part of me was, this is the same guy who runs the press the whole game. He's kind of yeah. just going to let it happen. Um, did they have a timeout? I don't know if they did. They might have. Uh, see, see, this is the part where I don't fact check. Regardless. Mm-hmm. So if they had one, they should have called it. If they didn't. Yeah they should have had a better play or something <laughs> because I mean, I understand JV on Carter's mindset, right? So he's a 39% shooter yeah. from three on the season. He must be thinking, all right, I missed my first two. Statistically speaking, I have to make this next shot. Mm-hmm. So, but at the same time, man, like I understand, you know, you want to shine. You've been the star of this team. How can somebody else take the limelight from you? But, bro, you missed those two shots that bad. They weren't even, like, close shots. They were bad shots. But West Virginia definitely, you know, I mean, they played well. They played Gonzaga to the wire. But, you know, Gonzaga definitely showing. And then again, um, yesterday, Gonzaga, man, they're a great team, and they're in the Final Four. Mm -hmm. We have – let's let's move on to the Elite Eight. Obviously, we have the great Gonzaga game over Xavier – you know, they weren't the toughest opponent, but they still played them really well. Uh, Nigel Williams-Goss, man. I think he's going to be the key to Gonzaga in their final four matchup against um, South Carolina. He, If he's playing well and the guards of Gonzaga rebound well, um, it really helps them with their fast-break offense and not really worrying about Karnowski having to get up and down the floor. Mm-hmm. Um but obviously, they played Xavier, West Virginia's non-offensive force. Um, you know, not to say that South Carolina's a huge force either, but 
Uh, I think they're a better offensive team than the two previous teams that they faced, and it might be a really uh, big challenge for Gonzaga. Yeah, I can see it. They're a, they're a very physical team. So is Xavier, but South Carolina's a little bit better. Um, but this tournament's being... Gonzaga's having their path paid for them. I mean, play Northwestern. West Virginia's a good team, but four seed. And then you get lucky enough playing an 11 seed. And now you're playing a 7 seed. It just it seems like they're destined to win this thing. Oh, man. I know, I know both of us were, like, not really happy with Gonzaga. And I really think that if they would have had to play Arizona or Florida State, it would have been closer. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's... That's why it's the tournament. You have one yep. bad game and you're out, and Xavier had that three-game hot streak. Um, unfortunately, it came to the end. It's kind of weird to think of them as a Cinderella because they have been there before, and they're like a decently known program. Mm-hmm. Um, the other matchup yesterday, of course, was Oregon and Kansas. And, oh my gosh, everyone was like, Oregon has no chance. They're not going to do anything. I laughed at our friend Logan who picked Oregon for our bracket thing for our fantasy league. (laughs) And I was like, you're an idiot. Like, why would you do that? Boucher's gone and they're in the final four and my team lost. So I'm here to eat crow. Uh, Tyler Dorsey has been the player of the tournament so far in my eyes, especially if Oregon makes it to the end. Um, Dude's been putting up numbers every single game. And, you know, Dylan Brooks won Pac-12 Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of in a sense, I think the best analogy I heard was Tyler Dorsey's playing how Devin Booker could have been playing mm-hmm. if Devin Booker got a, shan- uh, a more of a role at Kentucky. And, like, I kind of agree with that because Dorsey really had kind of been in the background most of the season. He hadn't been, like, doing huge things to where he was – like huge household name, but oh my gosh, he's really stepped up in this absence. And of course, uh, you know Jordan Bell. Did he almost have a triple double? Yeah, he had eight blocks. Jesus, the man is a monster. Um, and you know Frank Mason tried his best to carry the team, um, mm-hmm. but Kansas couldn't put it together in the end. Obviously, with their guard play, um, I think Josh Jackson had a pretty good game. It'll be he didn't score for a while. He was in foul trouble early. It'll, yeah. It that's the thing, man. They got into foul trouble way too early, and it, it really showed that they didn't have really a second unit to come up and step up. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jackson only had ten points. Um, Frank Mason was eight of twenty, just shooting, willing his way. <laughs> um, but we're definitely going to see Josh Jackson go. It'll be interesting. I think he's done pretty good in the tournament. He's done a good job at showing he can, you know, defend basically the two to the four. And as long as teams don't really care about his kind of funky shot that he has, um, yeah. I definitely see him being a top five pick. And, you know, obviously there was the issues with the off the court. Uh, I think it was like a DUI or something. It, It'll be interesting to see if he keeps his head on straight and, you know, if he gets to that next level and plays really well, I think he's going to be a great wing player. He'll be definitely a rotation player in the NBA. I think there's a lot of top, top end of talent or top heavy talent, I guess you could say. Um, like even with Lonzo, like Lonzo's being touted as the, ma- the next match Johnson. And according to his <laughs> father, he can beat Michael Jordan, but you know, I'm not the king of Egypt. So, I think Lonzo is still going to be a great NBA player. 
Uh, I don't know if this is going to hurt him or not, but I could definitely see him being a you know a top twenty point guard for his career, whether he's a starter or a backup, just because he can pass, man. Like, you know, Ricky Rubio can't shoot the basketball at all, and Ricky Rubio has been playing great basketball in the past, you know, since the All Star break. And I definitely see a similar path, maybe a Jason Kidd path. But, you know, Jason Kidd's one of the greatest point guards of all time. Um, regardless, moving on to the wonderful games we had today. Obviously, Florida just got cold. I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, they got cold in that second half, and they couldn't buy a shot. And, you know, South Carolina just was more physical the whole entire game. Again, Sundarius Thornwell. Everyone gave him crap for being the <laughs> SEC player of the year. Like, how could this not go to Munker Fox and blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, like this dude's legit. And Sundarius Stormwell, man, putting up 26 points again. Dude's a monster. Tommy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's probably up there with Dorsey right now for player of the tournament. I think every game he's just – he's taking over every game and he's just put this team on his back. He's a very physical player and he's a uh, – He's probably improving his draft stock. I, I, I want to see where he's going up on the board right now. Um, you know, I wasn't absolutely shocked that Florida lost. I thought that Wisconsin game was definitely could could have gone either way, but I did think uh, South Carolina was going to beat whoever they played. Um, and you know, they showed they. I want to say they out rebounded them really bad. Let me look at these team stats right here. Yeah, I'll give you, oh my gosh, Florida shot 7 for 26 from 3. Jeez. No bueno. But, I mean, besides that, actually looking at it, I mean, obviously, like, Carolina shot better from the field, but it, it looks like it came down to free throws. Um, you know, they, if you get to the line 31 times versus 14, I mean... That's that's gonna swing the game, and even if you're shooting at a lower percentage, like if you're just getting more of those points from the charity stripe, it's gonna be the end. And to cap off this wonderful final, uh, wonderful elite eight, we had North Carolina and Kentucky. I want to say it was one of the best games of the tournament. Where would you put that? Yeah, I think it was definitely up there. Um... Florida, Wisconsin, probably one of them. And I thought Oregon, Michigan was a great game, too. But it's definitely came down to the end. Like, that's what you like to see in March. Man, I I was sitting here watching it, and Monk hit that three, and I was like, oh, my <laughs> God, it's happening. Kentucky's going to do it. And Luke May, give the kids some credit. <laughs> the past two games... You would never see a guy. Wait, he's like, what, 6'9", 6'10"? Yeah. The dude, the past two games, he's come in clutch. I mean, he had 17 points in this game. And game prior to that, how many did he have? Come on. Yeah, he had... Man, ESPN's got bad. They had 16 against Butler. I, I love his confidence. He's got that Dion Waiters... Um, irrational confidence <laughs> in that I'm on the floor, I'm better than you give me the ball, I'm going to make this shot and oh my gosh when they passed him the ball on that last possession, I was like 
no, there's no way he takes that shot. He <laughs> caught it in stride and was like, I'm letting this fly. Even had a little bit of a step back. Holy crap, man. Confidence is key. Obviously, North Carolina. Kennedy Meeks had 17 rebounds. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it, it really goes to show, right? Monk and Fox were the ones carrying this team. You know, Monk was 4 for 10 from the field. Fox was 5 of 14. Um, they, you know, they those two guys were the top scorers besides Adebayo. But, man, Bam got manhandled on the inside. I really think he should stay, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's ready yet. We saw the same thing last year with uh, Scalabissier. He's like the 13th guy on the bench for the Kings, <laughs> which is something you never want to be. But... You know, Kennedy Meeks had five offensive rebounds on him. Oh my gosh! It and you you got to give it to Joel Berry. Obviously, he went to the locker room with that ankle injury, came back out jogging, came back like nothing was fine. <laughs> Maybe some deer antler spray on the ankle. You never know. <laughs> but going into this final four, we're finally gonna get to this point. We got UNC and Oregon, and we have Gonzaga. In South Carolina, what do you what do you got? Um, first game of South Carolina Gonzaga. I think I think it'll be a good game. South Carolina is definitely like the Cinderella team, I guess you'd say. Um, um, but like I was saying earlier, I think this tournament's being made for them right Gonzaga right now. Uh, I think it'll be a close game, but I think Gonzaga is just I think they're a better overall team. I think they'll win that game. All right, so you have Gonzaga over South Carolina. Who do you have out of Oregon and North Carolina? Uh, I really want to go with Oregon, but I think this is finally where losing uh, their big man comes to hurt them. I think going up against Meeks and Hicks is, is going to uh, get the job done for UNC. I think Oregon's been pretty lucky. They played, yeah, they played Michigan, so they didn't have to play Louisville size. Kansas. They have big men, but they just don't like to use them with those guards. Mm-hmm. But I think UNC's big men are going to take them past Oregon. It'll be a good game because Brooks and Dorsey, can, they'll be able to hang with Jackson and Barry. But I think in the end, there's too many rebounds down low. Yeah, um, I definitely have to agree. I would, I would have to say I have the same matchup. I really like South Carolina, but I heard what happened. Uh, what I did last time. Uh, but with that, with that being said, I think the Gamecocks are going to the national championship game. I think they're going to take down Gonzaga. You know, I, we have not been high on Gonzaga. You know, they're a good team. But I think this is where the road ends. I think this is going to be the first team that they're going to be playing where they're going to have trouble. And I think if they get Karnowski into foul trouble, mm-hmm. it'll be huge. Because then on the inside, man, you've seen what Thornwell can do. You know, he's 6'5", but he plays like he's 6'10". He's, oh my gosh. Oh, and I looked up his draft thing, by the way. He's projected to be an early second-round pick now. And I think Hmm. he was undrafted prior. So, hey, man, keep getting the machines. Got to make it. Obviously, on the other side, we have UNC against Oregon. And I said it. Before the bracket came out, I really like the UNC Tar Heels. Mm 
I think UNC, like you just said, with uh, the loss of Chris Boucher, they're going to out-rebound the mess out of Oregon. And I think Oregon's chance is going to be Tyler Dorsey and Dylan Brooks. Um, and I think the X factor, uh, believe it or not, is going to be Peyton Pritchard. I think it's going to be his play on the defensive end. Um, I think he could probably match up really well with Joel Berry. Um, you know, if he locks him down, that might be something that becomes, like, the key point in the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, Oregon's a great balanced team. We said that in the Pac-12. They were the most balanced team. And, you know, here they are in the Final Four. I, I'm not surprised that they're here. Um, but I'm definitely surprised, especially, you know, like we keep saying, that's because they lost a player so close to the tournament. Um, but I got UNC against South Carolina. And you already know who I'm going to pick to win it. Because <laughs> UNC, if you rebound, like, I think they're rebounding 47% of their offensive rebound opportunities. If you, basically, I'm going to give the most John Madden way of saying this. The team that has the ball more <laughs> usually wins the game. Because if you have more chances to win and more chances to score, like, statistically speaking, you're you're going to win. And if you're getting almost every single offensive rebound that's coming down, even if you miss your shot and you're not getting a good shot, which they usually do get a good shot most of the time, oh boy. It's going to be interesting. Obviously... Um, we did say Luke may have a great effort off the bench. Um, I think Theo Pinson's going to be able to lock down Dylan Brooks on the perimeter. I think Peyton Pritchard's going to match up really well. And of course, Kennedy Meeks might have 20 rebounds. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, obviously Bell played great in this last matchup, so it'll be cool to see these guys fight. And you know, Hey, I might be wrong. I was completely wrong last time. And this might be a reverse jinx and Gonzaga gets in. Who knows? <laughs> So in your title matchup, you have Gonzaga against UNC. What's your what's your breakdown of the matchup? Uh, I want to see Karnowski and Meeks go at it, two bigs down low. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, UNC's been there before. They're there last year. I think Jackson takes it over, and I think UNC cuts down the nets. Oh, boy. So you heard it here. The Fill the Lane podcast, we got North Carolina winning it all. Even though the official Fill the Lane bracket had Arizona winning it, and I'm not mad <laughs> at all. But I had UNC in the finals, and like I really hope they get it. Um, obviously, we have a, a bracket pool with our friends for some money, and I got UNC. They need to make it all the way to the end for me to win. Man, it's it's been a great tournament. I think it's been – I mean, obviously, in the beginning, it was kind of like underwhelming a little bit, uh, I guess you could say. Um but definitely in the past week, it's ramped up immensely. And, you know, I I think this is one of the, you know, better tournaments in a while. Um, we definitely have, really, it's, we really have like three teams that we didn't expect to be here. No one really expected Gonzaga to get out. Um, I think it was, there was 562 brackets that got the final four correct, which is uh, three thousandths of a percent. Um <laughs> No one's getting a perfect bracket. It's just how it is. Um, closing thoughts on the tournament. And then I want to quickly touch on uh, the NBA draft because obviously this is the last time we're going to see some of these guys before they go pro. Yeah, I mean, it was a good tournament. Uh, I got to the cap to Xavier, though. They are probably the 
uh, most Cinderella team, I guess you'd say, besides mm-hmm. South Carolina. Um, but props to South Carolina as well. And I think either way, whoever wins, I think we're going to have a good championship game, though. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Yeah, I, I can agree with you. I mean, obviously, it's hard to live up to last year where we basically had two like historic shots at the end there with the scissor, Marcus Page, uh, where I don't even know where he's playing now, uh, <laughs> and uh, Chris Jenkins with that kind of rub play. Um, moving forward, um, we have the NBA draft in roughly, I want to say, three months or so. Um, with that being said, we have some top chip prospects that we saw in the past couple of days. Um, obviously, Lonzo Ball's out of the tournament, as well as Fox and Monk. Uh, Markel Fultz was pretty much the only one not in the tournament outside of uh, Dennis Smith. Um, Laurie Markkinen, Josh Jackson. Do you see the Celtics taking Lonzo Ball number one if they do indeed get the number one overall pick? I would say so. I would. I think he'd be a good fit there with Isaiah. Um, he can shoot, and that's what you need to do in today's NBA. And I mean, he could he can pass better than anyone on this coming out of this class. But I, it'd be really hard not to take him. I know he got distractions with his dad and mm-hmm. all that, but he seems to do pretty good with distractions, and that's what you need when you're going pro. So I'd, I'd probably take him. You know, it, it's definitely seeming that way. Of course, we won't know any of this until the uh, draft is actually sorted out with the lottery. Um, now, the real question is, and this has been something that's kind of been debated um, around for the past week, if the Celtics draft, I mean, this is just in general, if the Celtics draft uh, a point guard in Markel Fultz or Lonzo Ball, what happens to Isaiah Thomas, you know? Uh, him, Avery Bradley, and Marcus Smart are all due to contract extensions uh, mm-hmm. in 2018, so it'd be another year still. Um, but I think Isaiah's pretty much expressed pretty clearly he would not like them taking a point guard, you know, because it wouldn't be good for him. Yeah. Um, but we're looking at potentially a five-year, $200 million contract for a 5'9 point guard who's 29. <laughs> um, I don't know about you, but... I don't think that'll turn out too well when he's 34. Um, obviously, we saw, you know, Nate Robinson had like two years. He's really the last like short guy that we had play really well. Um, but I think personally, if I'm Danny Ainge, I try and trade Isaiah Thomas for the, you know, the highest price to the highest bidder. Uh, maybe trade him back to the Kings and you know get a Kings ransom for it. No pun intended. Um, you know. If, so if you're if you're Danny Ainge, you have the first pick in the draft. What do you what do you do with the pick, and what do you do with Isaiah Thomas? That's tough. I love, like Isaiah Thomas, but I mean that's a lot of money. But I'd personally I'd keep him. You have a great team right now. I think what are they still a couple games behind the Cavs? Uh, I think they're like two games back. Yeah, they're only. I think they can hang with them. They're only missing something. It helps to get the first pick. I go with a shooter. To go with him, but I go ball probably. So you're saying run it back? Let's run two units and just, just roll, man. Just do it, man. Go for it. I like it. So, like I, you mentioned it earlier, um, Sundarius Thornwell has obviously like raised his stock tremendously in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, 
outside of him, if you had to pick one guy who either dramatically increased the stock or dramatically hurt it, um, who would be the player for you? Um, I think I know Josh Jackson. I think he improved his stock a little bit. There was questions whether he could shoot and stuff, but I think he's proved that he can. He's already working on it and. He, he, uh, that one game versus Miles Bridges, I think right there solidified him as top five pick in this draft. But outside of that, um, I don't know. I think Swanigan, Swanigan probably improved it a little bit, even though that Oregon game, because mm-hmm. I'm back, or yeah, so I'm back a little bit, but, uh, I mean, uh, Kansas, my bad. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure. I would I would definitely agree with you with Josh Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. That Miles Bridges game, man. Miles Bridges is not a small dude. He is a he's a mammal. He's a large mammal, and you know, like like uh, you were saying, he showed that he can guard that position and guard those bigger guys very effectively. And that's you know besides shooting the ball, like being able to play defense on the wing. Those are the kind of guys that are you know, the most valuable and that most teams are looking for because it allows that flexibility and allows um, to always be switching, especially with um, a lot of a screen offense being run in the NBA, having guys run off screens, um, you know, besides just the on-ball stuff. And for me, if I was talking about him earlier, my most improved would have to be De'Aaron Fox because, you know, I was probably the foremost person I was – wanting Monk and Dennis Smith ahead of him uh, mm. if it was up to the Knicks in the draft. And now I might, you know, I'd, I'd rather have De'Aaron Fox. He's really shown that, you know, he can be kind of a floor general and he doesn't always have to get to the basket. Um, you know, obviously he doesn't shoot as well as this guy I'm about to compare him to, but it reminds me a lot of Chris Paul. He has the ability to stand there and, you know, make the right pass and to get it to his teammates but he also has the speed to, like, when he wants to and when he needs to score, is he can just get by his guy. Um, that's that's my non-Kentucky player comparison. Obviously, he's getting the John Wall, and both very the same, but uh, Fox is a big guy, and if he definitely puts on, like, 20 pounds of muscle, like, he'd be really scary. And I think he's one of the fastest guys we've seen on the court in college, at least since, you know, we had John Wall and uh prime Derek Rose and I think his highest upside is going to be John Wall um but his downside is going to be TJ Ford you, you remember TJ Ford at all Tommy not that I can think <laughs> see that's 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 the point right there uh, I want to say he was point guard for Texas uh extremely fast but kind of small kind of undersized and he didn't really work at it as much as he could have and you know John Wall obviously has you know, as I, as like as much as I like De'Aaron Fox, my other guy I want to talk about. Oh, this is a hard one. Do you have anybody in mind that you want to bring up while I try and search through here? Yeah, Justin Jackson. Oh, it's yeah. probably one of my favorite players to watch in college basketball, and I haven't heard anything about him in draft, but now I just saw him. He's like 24. Mm-hmm. I think he'd be a good player, six eight. He can handle the ball. He can. He's not really the biggest guy in the world, but he he's pretty tough. You know, I like Justin Jackson. He, you know, like you said, he's been showing that 
And he can get to the rim. He can shoot from outside. He can play some defense. Obviously, he just played a great game against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so the guy I really want to talk about, as far as improvement, um, obviously we mentioned Sundarius Thornwell, kind of going from an undrafted to a early second round. Another early second round guy who has really shown, if he comes out this year, just saying. Jordan Bell from Oregon. Very under the radar. Um, I didn't really know much about him before the tournament. Obviously, with the last game, him almost putting up a triple-double between rebounding and block shots. Um, I definitely see him fitting into a system probably like a Clint Capella um, or Tyson Chandler maybe. Someone who plays good defense, can get rebounds, kind of clean up the glass. Um, And as we see the league go more towards a a 3 and D where they have four out, one in, having that one in guy that can rebound at a high rate, got to go with my boy Jordan Bell. So I think that's going to wrap us up. Obviously, um, we have the Final Four on Saturday uh, with South Carolina, Gonzaga being the early game, Oregon, UNC being the later game. Um, Hopefully, we'll be able to record on Sunday after we know the national championship matchup and then kind of go from there. Uh, Probably have some NBA content later this week. Thanks again, everybody. For listening to the podcast, please sure to subscribe, leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It really helps us out. Thank you again to Bold City Records for our intro music. Thank you to Tommy Lynch. We're almost at the end of our college basketball season. We might have to get you in for some NBA playoff odds and futures. <laughs> Sounds and every- good. And everybody, of course, please check out our website, Sports Landing. We just had a great article by our own Riley Ahern. Why the Miami Heat would win the all-out brawl in, in the uh, in the NBA. And, of course, with baseball season coming, we're going to have content with that. So head over to that as well. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud. You know where it is. You know where we're at. And we're out.